Uh, I've always been a fan of travel, and we're looking to start traveling full time in an RV across the U.S. starting、uh, February of 2022. So I wanted to just kind of dive in and surround myself with people who who can help me on this journey. So that's why exploring family travel was born because we were finally like, okay, once my my third child is born, we have a little bit of room to you know get the new routine going. And then we can start traveling. I have this time to learn, and that's what the podcast is all about. We are, you know, I am interviewing people who travel with their family because a lot of people think once you have kids you can't travel, and I am a strong believer in the opposite of that—that that you can travel and you should travel with kids. So I'm interviewing people, families who are traveling with their kids in an RV full time, on an airplane, through trains, on cruises, and just asking them those basic questions like. How do you, you know, plan? How do you save? How do you do all these different things to try and make the process easier to, you know, for that transition? Because there's a transition phase that,、um, from what I've learned, comes when you start to do full time travel. So that's the goal of that podcast. You should definitely listen to my podcast with GlobalTeenAdventures.com, family of seven. Five teen, five teenagers, and they went traveling for nine months. They were supposed to do a year, but then COVID cut it off.、Um, and there's another family of three beautiful daughters, and I'm somehow I'm embarrassed right now. I'm blanking out their name, but I've also interviewed them.、Uh, one person you should write down. His name is、uh, Bernie Wild. He has a YouTube channel, and he's an RV specialist. Now he doesn't travel with his family. He just travels with his wife.、Um, he doesn't have kids, or at least he's not traveling with them. But still, he would be a great guest to have on your podcast, Bernie Wild. Now, tell us about the age of your children. You're pregnant right now, and you've got two already out.、Uh, which one? How old are the two? I have a four-year-old son, a two-year-old daughter, and then my third one will be born next month. So, the number one question people will say, "Okay, that's easy." And it's not easy to travel, but it's like it's much more doable when they're not in school. Now. What do you say to them? Would you plan to eventually homeschool, or would you just say, "Oh, now I'm just going to travel during the summer months"? Well, I'm already homeschooling my son. He's a brain, and he just he loves to learn. So we we've already started, and it's kind of been like a practice round because he's technically not in kindergarten yet, right? But we have gotten in the routine of homeschooling, so that's going to continue on while we travel. I'm I'm open to whatever happens down the road, whether we change or not. But I've seen. Amazing benefits from homeschooling. I have family members who have my nieces and nephews are all in public or private schools. So there's different routes. Obviously, you can travel in the summer months, or you can do homeschooling on the road or world schooling. And、uh, right now, our plan is to do the homeschooling route and just start traveling and see where it takes us. Okay. And then for income, how do you your you and your husband sustain yourselves? So we we both. I know I know that podcasts don't bring in the mega bucks. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, there's so many different ways to. What I think is important is to have several sources of income instead of just like having all your eggs in one basket, because that's when, like, you know, God forbid something happens and you lose your job, then it's like you're scrambling. So I use podcasts as one source of income, and I do podcast editing. I manage podcasts. My husband he works in sales, and he's also a speaker. So we have. Several sources of income coming in, but as far as podcasting, like with sponsorships and affiliates, you'd be surprised how you know if you're consistent with it and you find the right sponsors, you can actually grow your podcast enough so that you can, you know, make it a good, you know, stable source of income every month. And once you start adding it up, it makes a difference. 
So how do you get your, you prefer going through sponsors, you approach companies that you already like or you want to use or you're already using? What's your strategy with regard to getting sponsors for your podcast? I definitely think finding a sponsor that you can recommend because you've used it is like the authenticity that comes behind it is priceless. Instead of just finding one that you say, oh, this will be cool and it just works out. Just because you can talk, you talk about it more confidently and you have like this drive to want to put it in front of people because you know how beneficial it can be. So I definitely recommend at least to start, find sponsors that you actually can have used in the past so you can recommend them with confidence and, you know, not have to worry about like if it's not a good uh, company to be representing. How often are you doing your family podcast? It's a weekly podcast. So it launched a few weeks ago, but it is once a week. And uh, weekly, how long? it's a different Each family. Each episode is about how long? About 30 minutes. Usually families don't have that much time to, <laughs> to, to, you know, spend on stuff. But that's a good thing about podcasts. You can just put it on in the background too and just let it be playing. What have you learned so far from your interviews that you've had on your show? So the main thing that I've learned that I've heard over and over and surprisingly it's not a surprise, but it's just interesting to hear is it's very important that if you're going to be traveling for extended amount of time to travel slow, a lot of people get excited and try to jam a bunch of stuff into, you know, every single day. And that can cause that burnout that makes them either not want to continue or just, you know, hit a wall. And in order to prevent that, just travel slow, especially with kids, the younger they are plan for, you know, chill days that you don't have to go and do anything, but you can recoup and and just know that like, you're going to have time to do it. Are you buying an RV or going to rent an RV? I imagine you're going to buy if you're going to be this, you're going to do this full time, right? Correct. Yeah, we are looking to buy. We're in that that research phase, phase which is super exciting because we're making sure like we have a little checklist of like must haves and we are looking for that specific RV so that we can go ahead and purchase it. So I imagine a must-have is a kitchen? Yeah, a few of the must-haves is like a kitchen. Um, I want to make sure the kids have separate uh, sleeping arrangements. I don't want to have to make the bed and, you know, make the dining room. Like, you know how sometimes you can change the same spot? Modular. Yeah. So it's it's super important for me for us to have our separate areas where we can go dine over here, go sleep over there. You know, the kitchen's on one end. I do want to make sure that all those things are separate. What about a toilet? That I, from what I've seen, the from the type of models that we're looking at, the whole bathroom area is like a shower. Sometimes they'll have a tub. And the toilet itself, there's different options. There's like composting options or um, just a regular, you know, that we're used to in the house that flushes like normal. And it's really just about, I, I'm not picky. It's just about but, finding the one that works best. But you want a toilet, I suppose. A hundred percent. With yeah. kids, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I figured as much. I mean, just checking. But, and, and that includes a shower, not necessarily? or Yes, yeah, a hundred percent. Full bathroom. Okay. You know, okay, it might be bathroom. smaller, but full bathroom. Yeah, okay, okay. So, so kitchen, full bathroom, and four beds. At least three, because since my little one's going to be an infant, might have right. a crib instead okay. of a bed. Okay, got it. And then, so it's going to be a pretty big, big size. I mean, you're going to have to spend at least 50 grand, I'm guessing, to get a, a, an RV of that size. It depends, honestly, because if you, if you try to go brand new, 
yeah, they're going to be pricier, but like there's different classes of RVs. And like you said, like the bigger you go, the more expensive it's going to be. Uh, right now I'm looking into a travel trailer and those tend to be less expensive than, you know, the, the motor homes that have the motor, like the actual oh. driving connected to the, the back of the RV. So there's different ways to find, you know, less expensive RVs. And if you go through a dealer, it's always going to be more expensive if you just go straight to like the owner that's looking to sell. So there's so many options. That's why the research phase is so important. You kind of just got to dive in and, and see what's out there before you make that final decision. So you're going to probably have a truck that's going to be pulling this trailer RV. That's your vision. Most probably I would like, um, like, I'm not the biggest fan of trucks. If I'm being honest, there are some vehicles that can tow an RV, depending on the size. That's more of, um, man, I always forget. Is it like an SUV or? Yeah. Uh, SUV. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Cause I, I would like more space in the car. Cause if that's where we're going to be, you know, while we travel, I'd like to have a little bit more space in there, but it, it is either going to be, um, it's going to have definitely have to be a car. Cause we're going to have to tow, um, you know, a big RV behind it. So it needs to have enough of that, that power. Right. Right. Okay. So you're going to have, and, and so when you arrive to, let's say a city, let's say you want to go to, I don't know, Chicago and you have to, you have to park your RV in the outskirts, I imagine. And then you all jump into the car. If you actually want to see the city of Chicago and, and spend some time there. And then that way parking doesn't become such a crazy pain in the butt. And sometimes there are places where you can park like on Walmart and that kind of stuff where you can park for free for like a day or two, stuff like that. I mean, you've probably looked into all this stuff too, right? Yeah, there's definitely free places to park. That's still part of like the research phase. I'm not exactly sure how Walmart works. I just know it's one of those places that everyone mentions that you can, you know, at least do like an overnight there. Um, but you made a great point with the whole like, you know, the car and leaving the RV somewhere else. That's also why I wanted to make sure they were separate the RV and the car, because having to take your home with you everywhere you go to me seems like a, too much of a hassle. So being able to park the RV and then take the car to where we actually want to go, even if it's something as simple as groceries, is super important and one of those must haves for us as well. You, I didn't really care too much for this documentary, but for somebody who's really interested in this RV kind of life, you might want to watch it. It's called Expedition Happiness. It's mm -hmm. on Netflix. And I thought it could have been better done. But anyway, the, it's a German couple who converted a school, United States school bus, did a really great job there. And they talked about the challenge of, you know, how they basically avoided cities at some point. They're just like, because you can't navigate those narrow streets with a big school bus very easily. So they're just like, just basically bypassed it and stayed in nature all the time, which works for a lot of people. But I think it's a shame sometimes to go, near next to Chicago and actually not see Chicago is a beautiful, fabulous city. And, and if they, you know, avoided certain cities, Seattle's wonderful. I mean, Portland's wonderful. And they probably just drove around these cities, didn't get to spend much time there in certain cases. So I think your strategy of having it modular in design is probably a cool thing because that way you can actually do that, uh, those, those things. Great. So how do people find out more about your podcast? Remind them again. Yes, yeah, so you can find us on any podcasting platform at Exploring Family Travels or on Instagram as well, Exploring Family Travels with an S. And I'm just constantly trying to share what, is, what it is that I'm learning, any spots that I find. Because uh, even now we go to different places, not in an RV yet, but uh, we have been traveling around different places in the world. So 
That's just, those are the two main places that you can find me. Felicitaciones. Ah, muchas gracias. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jocelyn Diaz. Thank you so much for coming on the Wonder Learn podcast. No, thank you so much for having me, Francis. Appreciate it. Sure. And that ends this episode of the Wander Learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F Tapon. That's my first initial and my last name. F Tapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.